What's going on, people? Welcome back to episode 26 of Keep It 111. My name is Andy, as a, and as always, I'm joined by uh, my co-host Sanha, or should I say, because this week is the uh, World Cup special, Sanya, like the uh, Brazilians would pronounce it. <laughs> How you doing, man? Do they, would they pronounce it that way? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Rafinha, Sanya. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, all right, I'm doing good. It's, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. All right, uh, well, man, uh, today we have a, a very interesting topic. We have a special topic. We can only do it once every four years, and uh, we're going to cherish it. Uh, but first, we're going to uh, start off with uh, the NFL, as we always do, uh, talk about the power rankings, some of the headline stories from week 10, and then we're going to talk about the World Cup World Cup's kicking off this weekend. Who do we have coming out of the group stages, including our projections on the United States, of course. So stay tuned. And you know, if we'll have if we have time, we'll maybe touch on the NBA, but that is a that is a play by ear kind of thing. Sure. All right, Sanha. Let's first start with uh the NFL. Um what can we say? Lots of headline games last week. Uh, but among them, you gotta say Jeff Saturday. With the first W of his career. Indeed. Talk a little bit about that, man, because that certainly isn't tanking from what I'm seeing. Um quite an unfortunate performance from the Colts uh in the first game of Jeff Saturday's career. Um a little unfortunate. But uh I mean you could you could clearly see from all of the press conferences, from all the reports that uh Jeff Saturday has brought a lot of energy to the room, to the locker room, spread a lot of energy to the organization. Um, and frankly, it I I think it's been, you know, less of a story of for the Colts and more of a story for how incompetent the Raiders are. And now everyone is literally just memeing the entire league and every head coach saying, you know, if your head coach is performing poorly, just pick up any guy off the street and plop him down see how he does because <laughs> apparently you don't need any head coaching experience uh to win a game in the nfl yeah talk about it man uh, jonathan taylor like you know finally having you know the kind of game that you expect from you know running back of his caliber i mean that was uh he put in work um 25 and 10 i mean it, it, as as bad as the colts have been you know you can't you can't go as far down as the Raiders in terms of luck, I guess. Um, other headline games, of course, um, we can't uh, not talk about some of the big upsets. Commanders ruining the Eagles' perfect record last night, and I mean, it's really hard to go undefeated, right? And I mean, like, like it does this at all change your perception of the Eagles? Um. I mean, a little. It doesn't that much. Um, I think the Commanders did a very good job exploiting the Eagles' maybe one weakness, uh, which is their interior defensive line, um, and they were able to run the ball on them pretty consistently in that game last night. Um, but the thing about this is the thing about the Eagles is that it's kind of a temporary weakness because Jordan Davis, their rookie is, has been out and injured on IR. 
Um, and he's 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 going to return before the end of the season here. So you know, once he returns, and it should be fairly soon actually. Um, but once Jordan Davis returns to the lineup, I think that will help solve. Uh, that issue for the Eagles and it really is like as simple as that because Jordan Davis is a massive massive man and if you look at the splits um, comparing the Eagles run defense without Jordan Davis on the field and with Jordan Davis on the field it is night and day Um, so having that one guy one big guy who can really take up a lot of space in the middle can make a big difference for this defense Um, and and that's why I'm not I'm not overly concerned because it's something that they're dealing with because of an injury Um, he's going to come back it's not like he's out for the season so it doesn't it doesn't overly concern me and the Bills Taking another L, I mean, look at their record now. They're no longer the leaders in the division, and they lose to a team that, you know, we were talking about it. It was going to be a test for them. Uh, The Vikings, are they legit? And you said, you know, the caveat is that Josh Allen must play. Well, Josh Allen played for the Bills, and he was making some blunders late in the game, and he basically threw. Uh, I mean, you got to give Vikings some props, don't you? Yeah, There's a little bit of nuance here. So, one, it was a statement game for the Vikings. Um, I am not going to say that they are a bad team, because clearly they are not. Um, It's still difficult for me to say that they are one of the elite uh, in the league. I just, whenever I see the Vikings, I've just never seen them be dominant for longer than like you know a five ten minute span in any game that they've played this season which is the most worrying thing is that is that like it just feels like they're like constantly like in like a close call battle with the other team throughout the entire game like the meme with the vikings is literally um there there's this meme uh from a vikings fan and it shows like five minutes before the game, very excited to watch my team. The first like three quarters of the game, oh my god, I hate my team. And the last quarter of the game, oh my god, my team's gonna win. <laughs> that is that is the Vikings the entire season. And like I just like I don't feel good calling a team like that that has never shown me the ability to be dominant in any stage of the game like an elite team. I just, I just can't. And, um, in this game, the bills did not play well. Like Josh Allen was, was good, but like you said, he made some blunders towards the end of the game. He was definitely too loose with the ball, um, and and made some poor decisions. Um, but you could also see that throughout the game that, that Josh Allen was not a hundred percent from his, his arm injury from, from last week. He wasn't, he wasn't a hundred percent. Here's what the asterisk. Here's I'm not, I, I, look, listen, that's why I said there's some nuance to the game, um, but it's not to say that like he still made poor decisions. Like the decision making towards the end of the game had nothing to do with the injury. That that was him right, just exactly. making a bad decision, right? That that was him playing poorly, and and it also lends to the Bills' weakness that they're overly reliant on Josh Allen, like. It, as good as their team is, they shouldn't need to 
be so overly reliant on Josh Allen when like he's he's forced to like carry your team literally single-handedly literally single-handedly um through close games like this like it it shouldn't have to be all on him all the time which it is in, in every single game it always is if it's anywhere close to being a a close game um a competitive game then it comes down to Josh Allen um, and, and he just didn't make the right decisions in, in this game, and maybe maybe it would have gone a little differently, but we, who knows. Um, but anyway, all of this is to say, still haven't seen a, a dominant Vikings team show up ever. So, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to say that they're elite. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the interest, the intriguing thing I find about Josh Allen is that I feel like a lot of people were extremely high on him um, coming into the season, and he was kind of getting like a, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, like younger Tom Brady, even a Patrick Mahomes kind of treatment in terms of how much he can change the game. And, you know, you like, I, I have no argument against the fact that he has like the talent and like the raw skills to do so. I mean, he could run, he can throw, he can do everything. But... You know, he still has a pretty short-listed resume in terms of actual accomplishments um, compared to those people. And, you know, I just find it very interesting that people were, like, you know, willing to give, you know, the, the Bills a shoe-in into, you know, uh, the the conference championships, you know, so early on. And, you know, maybe that was unwarranted, um, but maybe also you're right. He's, you know, he's just not playing 100%, but I, yeah, the the decision-making is kind of, you know what I mean? That's a... Yeah. It shows that he's maybe not, like, you know, on that kind of level of treatment, maybe. Not I, yet. I think I think it's... Like, there, there's... To me, there's kind of a, a difference in, like, a, a split of how you categorize the quarterbacks, right? There's, like... There's the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, like Drew Brees would have been in this category um, of like older veteran quarterbacks who are very sound with their decision making, very smart in what they do, and they rarely make mistakes. And um, then there are the guys who are like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, like guys who just have massive arms and can make throws that no one else in the league can. So Aaron Rodgers was actually in this category probably like a, maybe a season or two ago wherein like he was making throws that literally no one else in the league could other than like Patrick Mahomes. Um, but like Josh Allen still fits in this category where like you see week in, week out, some of the throws that he makes, like there are two, three quarterbacks in the league that could make that throw like there there's like no one else who could make that throw um which like so he he i think he belongs in that category does he still have some growing up to do yes but i would are my argument would be that like it, they're just asking him to do too much at times and like it and unnecessarily so not that like obviously if you have like an elite quarterback you should be leaning on them because that's your strength but at the same time like you shouldn't be doing that unnecessarily so like open things up for him like if you look at Patrick Mahomes and his offense it's a lot more open like his receivers are open all the time if you look at this game like even if you look at this game against the Vikings and the the week before against the Jets 
there's no one open. Like, no one's fucking open. I, like, I, I don't know, like, what, what you want him to do. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes has, like, four different wide receivers who are all, like, you know, wide receiver two, like, uh, caliber just running around the field, plus Travis Kelsey. And then Josh Allen has, like, Stephon Diggs. That's it. That's it. That's literally it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like his next best weapon is like Gabe Davis, who's like a wide receiver three at best. So like that. That's like that. This is the difference that we're talking about, right? And like, and and decision making also becomes easier when you have the weapons. It's not just like. It, it, so, yes, to a certain extent, I, I I'm not trying to excuse Josh Allen's play because it was bad. Like he needs to be better than that, and and he should be better than that. But at the same time, it, it doesn't change the fact that every single week they're putting a lot more on his shoulders than I would argue any quarterback in the league. Any quarterback in the league. No one is asked to do as much as Josh Allen is asked to do. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what are the other games you want to talk about? Cowboys versus Packers. I mean, you would probably chalk up the Cowboys to win that one. That wasn't how the game went. Um you know, just came down to Aaron Rodgers making some key plays down a stretch. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, and here, this is actually very similar to the Eagles, only in that, only in that the Cowboys' weakness is also their run defense. Um, and and where this comes into play is, so if you look at this game, uh, I, I believe, I, I think this is right, I believe uh, Micah Parsons didn't have a single sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Micah Parsons, maybe, in 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 my opinion, he he's the best defensive player in the league. He ha- didn't have a single sack in this game, and, and the reason for that is the Packers just ground and pounded with the ball. Aaron Jones ran twenty four times. AJ Dillon ran thirteen times. They ran the ball thirty seven times down the throats of the Cowboys. And, and the reason that they're able to do this is it's one they're they are a good running team. They have two very good running backs and they should be doing that. Um, and they're starting to do so and it's and starting to produce some results, um, which is the first thing. The second thing is that when the Cowboys um, are forced to defend against the run, what happens is that Micah Parsons, instead of playing defensive line, he plays stand-up linebacker instead because he's so versatile and they wanted to get someone a little bit bigger on the defensive line. And so when you have uh, Micah Parsons, your best defensive player, playing off the line, off the ball, um, then he becomes a, he becomes definitely less impactful in the pass game for sure. Um, and they can always just run like towards the opposite direction wherever Micah Parsons is standing, right, to to limit his impact. And so in that way they help to mitigate the pack or the Cowboys' greatest strength um on the defensive side of the ball. And and in that way the Packers really were able to kind of grind through this what otherwise has been a very, very good Cowboys defense. Um so I think being able to kind of run or uh, lean on the run game a lot throughout the game and then allow Aaron Rodgers then to make a couple of key passes once the Cowboys were in, you know, more run defense uh oriented uh schemes and formations, then that was able to allow them to keep up with the Cowboys and ultimately force overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, just a, like a well-made uh, game plan executed by uh, the Packers that game. Um, 
moving on to the power rankings, I guess, or is there anything else that you want to talk about in particular? Um, I mean, we should probably talk about how Justin Fields is just going absolutely fucking nuts um, in these last couple of weeks. This week goes runs for 147 yards <laughs> and two touchdowns. Jesus fucking Christ. And this is this is following last week's performance. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to pull up the the exact numbers here. Um, last week's performance, he went 178 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He's a quarterback. Um, that's, that's insane. It, it's it, it's absolutely insane. I'm pretty sure. Uh, let let me just check this. I'm checking NFL rushing leaders. Yeah, here he is, Justin Fields, number six in rush yards in the league this season, above Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders. <laughs> That's crazy. And he had another big run game uh, against the uh, Cowboys. Yeah. yeah, he's been absolutely nuts um, these last few weeks. And uh, I don't know how long he can keep it up, but he, he's definitely got the talent to 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 run like this. Uh, he's not necessarily as slippery as Lamar um, and probably doesn't have the same sort of like agility, but he's definitely like a better runner than like even Russell Wilson, um, Trey Lance. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think who else uh in the league but like um he's definitely talented enough of a runner to to keep doing it and uh, obviously the bears are they're they're just three and seven um they even despite justin fields heroics last this last week they lost the game um they are not a good team so i don't know how long they're just gonna let him do this because obviously when you're running the ball a lot as a quarterback you're more liable to get injured um and obviously in a season that already seems kind of lost you you don't you don't want to you know subject your quarterback to that um but at the same time you want you kind of want to see what you can do so we'll see how it shakes out over the over the next couple of weeks um but Justin Fields, some someone to watch out for because he is dynamic. For sure, for sure. Um, unfortunately, they lost uh, to the to the Lions in a, in, a, in an epic choke job. But you know, Jesus. But but you know, it does not to take away from the immense inter uh, individual uh, effort by him. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we move on to the power rankings? Um, Get us started. I'm going to step outside for a couple minutes, and then um, I'll join you, okay? Sure. Let's do it. Um, So I'll go over our last week's power rankings, um, which were number one, the Eagles, two, the Chiefs, three, Cowboys, four, Bills, five, Niners, six, Dolphins, seven, Ravens, eight, Giants, nine, Seattle Seahawks, and ten, the Tennessee Titans. Um... And so this week, uh, there obviously should maybe be some changes because the Bills lose yet again. The Eagles lost. Um, the Cowboys lost. Uh, there, there were a, a lot of losses on maybe some of our top teams here. Um, and so, so here we go. Um, 
at number one, at the top of our power rankings for this week, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think this might be the first week that I have had them number one. Um, and it, it's in part two. Number one, they got Kadarius Tony integrated into the office, and, and he looks great. Um, Mahomes looks great. They are running the ball now more with with Isaiah Pacheco, um, who has been, in, if, if not spectacular, just you know good enough and effective at running the ball. Um, but adding another weapon for Patrick Mahomes to throw to in what's already a loaded room of pass catchers um, has been good for the Chiefs. So they come in at number one in my week 10 power rankings um then at number two i have this is gonna rub some people the wrong way um am i am i regretting this wait a minute no you know what i don't regret this i have the buffalo bills at number two um i i know and and it's they're coming off their their second loss of the season but hear me out hear me out hear me out hear me out number one um Josh Allen is getting healthier. That's it. That's okay. that, that's the tweet. Um, that's the tweet. And and honestly, the, the okay, but you gotta you gotta hear me out. The problem is that as much as I don't want to put the bills here, the problem is that I really like if you put a gun to my head against and put the bills versus any other team below them in my rankings and you know they had to play tomorrow i would bet on the bills that's the that's what it comes down to and and we can we can go down the list and and do the comparison but that's just what it comes down to because at number three we have the eagles uh we have the philadelphia eagles who who fall down okay well okay well i i I, I see that you're being a little bit sneaky by saying tomorrow. Fine. But Jordan Davis is healthy, let's say. Are you still taking the Bills right now? I would still take the Bills over the Eagles. Wow. I would take the Bills over the Eagles. I would both take the Chiefs and the Bills over the Eagles. And it comes down to Jalen Hurts' ass and Josh Allen is not. Um, that's, that's just what it is. I'm sorry. Like, listen... I don't. I, we knew we knew Jalen Hurts was ass, and we were still saying the Bills were one this whole time. Or you mean the Eagles were one? Or sorry, the, the Eagles were one. You know, up until this point, we were saying that. We were saying that. But, but the more that I I watch both teams play, the less spectacular I feel the Eagles are, and the more spectacular I feel Josh Allen is. It, it, despite his hiccups, despite his hiccups, it's it's like I, I don't really know how to describe it other than that. Other than, but like my problem with the Bills is that like what we see in the offense is like I just don't see outside of Josh Allen's health, like the receivers. I mean, the receiver core. Like what you see is what you're, you're gonna get yeah. out of them. It is the the personnel is there. I mean. What is the what makes this forecast ceiling go so high? Is you know I'm trying to comprehend here. 
I, I think for me, the biggest thing is that I don't think Josh Allen has been fully released. Like, I, I, I don't think that he's, he's, he's hit his ceiling. And he's, he's going to... And I can't bet against him. I can't bet against him. I just... For me, Josh Allen has come to the point where I cannot bet against him unless it's like... Uh, unless it's literally Patrick Mahomes. I just can't. He... He really is that good. He really, really is just that good. Okay. All right. He, well, he, he's just. So you have the Eagles. The Eagles three. I didn't see that one coming. Okay. The, who's at four? The Eagles three. The Cowboys at four, despite their loss. Um, and the thing about the Cowboys is it's the same thing. Like, you could argue that maybe the number five team, it would be close. But it's the same thing if you go down the list and you ask me tomorrow. Who's going to win? It's the Cowboys. Because right at number five, you have the Niners, and that's the only other team that I'd be like, okay, like, it'd be a close game. It'd be a close game. But who would I trust more, Dak Prescott or Jimmy G? Is Dak 100 times, 101 times out of 100 that I, I trust <laughs> over Jimmy G? I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan, but... Like Jimmy G's literally just. I'm with you there, yeah. Yeah, it, and, and, and like that's what it, these close like when when the teams are this good, right? When the teams are all this good, and and this talented, that's what it comes down to, and that's why the quarterback position is so important, right? It, it, because it's the one position that touches the football every single play that your offense has the ball. And has more impact on the game than any other position by far, not even close. And so having a an elite quarterback is going to push you higher than a team with Jimmy G. That's, that's just how it is. That's the reality of the sense, situation. But, but so you, in the top five, you don't have the Vikings, you don't have the Dolphins. I mean... All right. I mean, we'll, we'll hear the rest of them. Because at number six, I have the Dolphins. At number six, I have the Dolphins. Um, I, I think the Dolphins are quite good, but they've also kind of been the the last couple of weeks. Um, they beat up on what are not uh, not well performing um, defenses. So, like, right last week, they they beat up on on the Browns. Um, whose defense has been non-spectacular at best. Uh, the week before that, um, it was the Bears, I believe, who are the Bears. The week before that, it was the Steelers. Uh, so, and that, that's their, like, three-win streak. So, like, yeah, they've been winning games, but, like, come on. <laughs> come on, it's... They beat the Bears, the Browns. Uh, who, who did I say? The Bears, the Browns. Oh, the Steelers. Like, come on, guys. Like, that doesn't really the count. Lions. That, does, that doesn't the really lines. count for much. <laughs> so, um, I, I think, I think, I think six is fine. <laughs> it's good enough for them. It's good enough for that. For what it's worth, Tua is probably better than Jimmy G. Right, I was going to say. I mean, at this point, yeah, I, I take Tua over Jimmy G. Mm -hmm. 
But I think the Niners are a better team than the Dolphins. I, I will say that. Um, but it, but again, it is very close. Like four or five, six, I say very, very close between these three teams. Um, at number seven, we have the Baltimore Ravens. Um, wow. Who, oh, holy. who do not move spots. Um, Dude, we're going to... You're, you're going to get death threats from people from Minnesota, man. I swear. Listen, I used to live in Minnesota, okay? Those people are kind and polite people, okay? Um, <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. The disrespect is real, guys. And then at number eight, we have the Minnesota Vikings making their debut on the Keep It 111 uh, NFL Power Rankings of the season. Um, I didn't sign off on this, guys, by the way. <laughs> Right. I did not co-sign this. This it's, is the thing about the the thing about the Vik. I mean, I already I already talked about the Vikings, but the stats also back me up. Like, if you look up DVOA, which is um, like an efficiency rating for teams um, in the NFL, the Vikings are not in the top ten of of DVOA rankings. They're not in the top ten of any efficiency metrics for for the entirety of the NFL. Like if you look at all the stats, they're they're actually quite a mediocre team, um, and, and this is exactly what I'm saying though. Like I'm not saying th- I never say that the stats tell the entire story, but when you put it with context, uh, they help to tell the story. And 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 what have I been saying? I've been saying there have been no stretches of any games that they've played wherein they they look dominant, and. And the efficiency, the efficiency metrics would suggest the same, that they, they are not an efficient team. They, they never dominate any phase of, of the game for any extended period of time. And it's not even like, they're not even like the, um, the Giants uh, who play like very like close, like grinding games they they run the ball a lot um and play really stout defense and keep games close and then pull it out in the end they're not like the titans who do the same thing like they don't even play like that they're just they they just are i don't even know i i really don't understand how they get like even this game even the game against the bills they won because justin jefferson made the catch of literally the century that is true. That was an insane catch. Like if he didn't, if he doesn't make that catch there, they lose this game. Almost, that is, that's a good point. Almost undoubtedly, like he had to just make, like the best receiver in the league had to make the catch of the century, like even better than OBJ's like legendary catch, right? Like, and he had to make that one catch in order for them to win the game, with and and. Not to mention that I'm pretty sure, like, there there was a stat from, maybe it was, like, NFL Advanced Stacks or something, that, like, seven out of nine of Justin Jefferson's receptions or something like that in this game were improbable catches, meaning, like, like the, the likelihood that he was going to catch the ball was less than he, or, yeah, was less than he was going to, to make, uh, to not catch it, right? So, like, He's he made like a chain of just improbable catches, and this this speaks to this speaks to the entire goddamn team. It's like they just like keep hitting. It's like they just keep fucking hitting on like improbable plays over and over again. They're like they're like some like ridiculous ass parlay that like would have paid out like one to like 
25,000 or something. Like, this is that is the Vikings. That is the Vikings right now, which... So sick. So which sick. The mom, <laughs> like, momentum is a real thing. Like, I, I accept that. I accept that momentum is a real thing. But I, like, momentum is only going to play... Like, there's, there, there's only an extent to which I accept momentum as an argument for why a team is good. Like... But it's Justin Jefferson, man. This is a, this is a three-headed monster we're dealing with. We got Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and you like that? I don't like Kirk that. Kirk Cousins. I don't like that, actually. I don't like that. This guy... Oh, my God. It, it tilts me so much. Like, I, I hope the Vikings lose so much this next week. Because they have another tough matchup, right? Oh, they play the Cowboys. They play yeah. the Cowboys. Should be a tough but, one. But they're coming for you, man. If they beat the Cowboys. If they beat the Cowboys, too. Um... Nah, well, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I think, I think we've seen from what Sanha is doing to the Vikings that even if you beat the Cowboys, he's probably going to put the Cowboys at four and he's going to put the Vikings <laughs> at five. This is what's going to happen, okay? <laughs> depends on how they play but well we shall see we shall see uh, anyway let's continue um at number nine i have um the new york giants who continue to win in the way that they continue to win it is exactly what i say they just grind out games are running the ball playing stout defense playing playing smart and 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 being coached well and then at number 10 we have the titans back at, at number 10 who are playing very similar ball to the Giants? They're they're actually very similar in in a lot of ways. Where they really run on uh, lean on that run game um, to to extend their drives, to extend their time of possession, give their defense time off the field, um, and then they play very very smart defense. Um, and they're both extremely physical teams. That I'm telling like these. T- both of these these rosters are, are more physically dominant than the Vikings. Like, the Vikings just, they aren't. Like, they straight up aren't. Like, it's like, even, even in this, even in this uh, game against, against the Bills, right? Dalvin Cook, he went for 119 yards on, on 14 carries. But I believe one of the, one of his carries went for like 80 yards, if I'm not mistaken. So, wasn't it? Yeah, he wasn't went for, it a, he went a touchdown for, or something? Yeah, it went for eighty-one yards. It was an eighty-one yard touchdown. Um, so if you if you exclude that, he went thirteen for thirty-eight yards. If you exclude that one run, and you know rushing, what that means? What, what, that means he could do even better. Oh my god. Oh my god! <laughs> this is some hard ass copium. This has nothing to do. Listen, Dalvin Cook is a very, very uh, talented running back. I uh, who I who I adore. Um, but it's not about Dalvin Cook. It's about this offensive line being ass. Um, uh, there's just there's not a they're not a physically dominant offensive line, and it shows. Like without that one run where Dalvin Cook just like blew up because he's Dalvin Cook like without that he went 13 for 38 yards that's fucking ass that's less than three yards a carry like Jesus Christ can we oh my oh my um I I, w- I will say um 
there there were some contenders that had to had to not be on the list this week, which is I, I feel like this is the first time in a few weeks where I feel like there are teams who maybe deserve to be mentioned, but we're not able to make the list. I I mean, so too, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the Seahawks. Um, you have right. the Bengals, who are who are also talented and very they're they're a very efficient team. They're like kind of the opposite of the Vikings, wherein they're very very efficient. Um, and they've just been unlucky in certain games. Um, then you have the Packers who may have hit a kind of a turning point, um, if you will. They still have a chance to make the playoffs here if they, if they've stringed together some wins here into the end of the season. Um, and then, uh, I mean, we have to talk about the Jets as well in this category who have been playing some very, very good football. Um, I mentioned last time, Zach Wilson to me is still has the highest ceiling in his draft class um, of quarterbacks. So uh, the Jets should be mentioned here. Their defense is very real. Um, I feel like there's I'm missing one team that oh oh and and the Buccaneers. Yeah, the Buccaneers who have have quietly put together um, uh, a couple of wins here in the last couple uh, yeah. of weeks. Um, and I mean, they, they might they might have kept the Seahawks out of the top ten, right? Yeah, maybe yeah, and maybe that as well, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. so there are a few teams here that that should be mentioned. Um, yeah, the the season's getting interesting. It's definitely getting interesting. There are seem to be a solid number of good teams here. I think I've listed like fifteen, right? In like if you count the top ten plus the the honorable mentions here, yeah, it, it's a competitive you know uh, season this mm-hmm. year. I think um, more parity than you'd expect on on an average season. I mean, uh, yeah, honestly, like to 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 me, like the only team that seems like a really confident pick these days is um, the Chiefs, and you know I think the Eagles, but apparently you don't think as highly of them. But um, but in any case, uh, why don't you review the uh, top ten again and then. Uh, we'll, we'll chalk it up uh, for this week. Yeah, so going back to my top 10 for after week one, we have the Chiefs, the Bills, and I stand by it, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Niners, the Dolphins, Ravens, Vikings, Giants, and Titans. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned and you know make sure you watch the Vikings Cowboys game because that's going to be a it's going to be a bang. It's going to be a critical game for the power rank. Jesus. <laughs> or not? <laughs> I mean, uh, but uh, moving on, uh, talking about the FIFA World Cup taking place in Qatar, kicking off uh, this Sunday, I believe. Um, of course, as per tradition, um, host nation Qatar not only has a birth in. Uh, in the World Cup, but they will be uh, uh, playing the, I guess, I guess the first game of the entire World Cup, and that's going to be the only game that's taking place. Um, yeah, on, on on Sunday, right? I thought it was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. Uh, Sunday against Ecuador. But uh, today, we let's revisit, right? Because last time we talked about the group stages, we kind of talked about like you know how we felt about in general, you know, the groups, and you know who are the the talents that we expect to start for each team and you know based on the current form which you know we have to say was is not the complete picture as it is now we didn't take into account the injuries you know things like that let's revisit those group stage um those groups 
And now that we have finalized squads for everyone, also look at, you know, who's injured maybe, who is out of form. There are plenty of players who are in form. And, you know, based on that, let's talk about, like, you know, who's gonna, who we have coming out of the group stages. Um, starting with Group A, we have Ecuador, Netherlands, Qatar, and Senegal. Um, I think we could say, Sanha, right? Netherlands is going to come number one at that one, right? I, it's just a really talented squad. It is a completely loaded squad. Um, it, it's a, honestly a dark horse to win the whole thing, in my opinion. They should be. Uh, the only thing that's stopping it is like a super informed Van Dyke, which they're kind of lacking. Van Dyke hasn't had. And, you know, it's almost like Liverpool goes as Van Dyke does in some sense. Like he's that pivotal to that squad. And Liverpool hasn't had the greatest campaign. And, you know, so it goes, you know, correlation wise, Van Dyke. Um, also hasn't had the best of form, but he's still Virgil van Dyke, and they still have some great pieces at the back. They have uh, Ake, they have Timber, who is a young, um, upcoming talent for the Netherlands playing, so they're going to play three at the back. Um, and in the midfield, Frankie de Jong, and of course they have up front uh, Memphis Depay, they have uh, Steven Bergwijn, who always shows up in international games, and so they honestly have up and down a really good squad. I don't really see major weaknesses for them. Maybe like a goalkeeper um, that you know I, I don't really know too much about. Most they're I think both I think all three of their goalkeepers are relatively unknown coming out of the you know the the, the Netherlands leagues. But you know, I trust that the goalkeeper for Ajax is like you know can can do something can and, and be confident. Exactly. Um, coming second, I, I think for me, this is an interesting one, right? Because Senegal, big headline news that Sadio Mane is going to miss the first couple of games. Mm-hmm. It was a little cryptic on how many that is, but I'd, I'm, I'm assuming two out of three at least. And Yikes. that's a big game changer. And Senegal has issues up and down the squad. I think Koulibaly has looked really met at Chelsea. Um, he's supposed to be their stalwart on the def- defensive end. Um, and so outside of those two, like, really important players, yes, you have Edouard Mendy who's playing for Chelsea, but also Chelsea, not in the greatest form. I mean, Edouard Mendy's not the biggest culprit for why that is, but, you know, I, I don't really, I haven't really paid attention to the Kepa versus Mendy, um, you know, competition that's been going on at Chelsea. But judging by how often I've been seeing Kepa on the game sheets for um, Chelsea, I would say that Mendy is not really um, ha- ha- has a stronghold on that position. Probably speaks to his form as well. And so, this is a Senegal team that's kind of, as I see it, kind of running on fumes a little bit. Um, they they need some source of like individual talent to lead them, and right now I don't see that. Uh, and so, I'm actually going to take Ecuador coming out second. Really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, and like Ecuador, like you look at the squad and you're like, like there's really not that much to like look at. Okay, like maybe, I mean they got they got a couple Brighton uh, players, uh, Estupinian, like for example, and but their defense has been like putting up good results. And again, you know this is the World Cup, man, and you know I think form might be might be punished for Senegal and injuries because who's going to score for Senegal? To be honest. They're heavily relying on Sadio Mane. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
mean, yeah, it, it's going to be rough for, for them to score, score, but, I mean, look at the rest of the squad, and it's not just, like, Koulibaly, right? They have um, the other Mendy at, goal, at goalkeeper, um, Diallo, Saris playing, right? Um, Ismail Asar, yeah, yeah. Like I think I would think he's like they're gonna be their option up front. Uh-huh. Um, they have Kuyate. Like they still have some. Like Balde is, I think, is Balde playing for them? Um, are, is he in the? Is he in the lineup? No. He's no. not in the lineup. Oh, that's 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 a little uh disappointing i think baldy is still very good uh, anyway um I, I think they still have some options and and i i in my opinion they're the quality of their overall squad even without money is it's better than ecuador's i don't know um i just i'm i guess i'm not i'm not very familiar with a lot of the ecuadorian players um like you said, they have, they have a couple of Brighton players, but then outside yeah, of that, and, and then, but like the thing with Ecuador, I guess I'm going off is like their results because I think like sure. they've strung together like some good results recently sure. um, in international competition. Uh, they are a team that doesn't concede a lot of goals, mm-hmm. and so I think that's going to pose a lot of problems. So I think Netherlands is going to win all three of their games. Everybody's going to take an L to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it really comes down to like you know the Ecuador versus Senegal matchup because I think Ecuador and Senegal will both make work of Qatar. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but Qatar. I mean, I don't know any of these guys. Uh, they, every game. They, they, they all play the Qatar league, and you know, again, you know, we, we have to take into with a huge grain of salt that the host nation just gets a freebie into the um, place and. Let's be honest, the Qatar team probably would have no business making it to a qualifying if it weren't for the fact that they're hosting. Um, so it really comes down to Ecuador versus Senegal. And who am I taking? Um, I think Senegal is going to struggle to score against Ecuador. And when is their game again? It's definitely possible. Ecuador is playing... Well, Ecuador is playing Senegal in game three. So maybe Saudi Omani oh, returns. Saudi Omani has to return. That would be I huge. That would be huge. But, I'm a, I'm going off the assumption that of course like even first game back I mean can you give Sadio Mane like you know the benefit of the doubt that he's going to show up when he's probably going to be playing like not 100% for game 3 it's still a lot of concerns for me all right um so moving on to group B so so in group A I have both um Netherlands and Ecuador going up so are you saying Netherlands Senegal for you uh yeah it's going to be Netherlands Senegal for me I'm going to go I'm going to stick right, with the right. quality here all right, Group B, uh, Group of the United States, uh, England, Iran, United States, and Wales. This is a tough one, man. So I think we can both agree England's going to come number one. Do you think is there any going to be any kind of uh, drama there? I think there may be some drama, as there always is with the English squad, right? They always somehow seem to underperform. Uh, they somehow always put up performances less than the some of their parts and uh but the parts are a lot their parts, <laughs> the are, parts a lot. are a lot exactly yeah. which is which is what usually carries them right is their individual quality usually just carries them through despite not having the greatest teamwork um but that being said you know they are up against some stouter competition this united states squad is 
maybe not the greatest thing that we see in the world, but is arguably maybe one of the more talented squads that we sent in last 20 years, I would imagine. Well, maybe on ever. Paper, yeah, like maybe a lot ever. of European. Yeah, yeah European exactly. a talent. A lot of European right. talent on this United States squad and, and young talent as well. Um, and obviously the Wales team has, has put up, you know, a, a competitive squad almost every time that they come out. So I, I don't know, like they, they drop a couple of points against one of these teams and, and you don't know what can happen, right? Um, with with a draw here, maybe another draw. Like if they like two draws could be devastating potentially, uh, for the English squad. So like you, you don't really know what what could happen here. Um, obviously conventional wisdom would be to say that England is the 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 favorite here, but it's just with this English squad, you never know. You never know what could happen. You never know, but like I really do think that you know, based on their recent performances, even in the in, in the last World Cup where they made it, you know, to the semis, right? Yeah. Uh, even in the last Euros, you know, where they went to the finals. Yeah. You know, this is an England team that I think is not only putting up results, but I think they're getting some continuity because we're seeing a lot of returning faces. Yep. And of course, same coach Southgate. So. I don't think we're going to see as many issues in terms of like gelling of the squad and or, you know, performing under like under performance in general. Like, of course, like like you said, they're always going to be prone to blunders or they're going to be prone to like howlers of performances. Um, don't really feel super encouraged by that. But the continuity gives me hope that I think they'll definitely, you know, be able to put up more consistency and um be able to actually put up a performance that is worthy of, you know, the names on the squad. Um, I think they're going to win all three of their games, and I think they're going to, you know, come out first comfortably. Yeah, you know, looking back at at the squad, um, like, my God. <laughs> it's so good. The squad is just so fucking loaded, like... <laughs> the only thing that's like suspect is the back basically like the center backs right uh, yeah the center backs um in particular yeah like connor cody stone harry mcguire um not great right yeah it, it's a Luke little strong left back yeah that's it's, that's it's a, a little, little sketchy bad. but like i mean the rest of this team like jesus christ mount phillips yeah. Rice. oh my god disgusting yeah. And then at front, like Grealish, Kane, Rashford, Saka, Sterling, like Jesus. <laughs> it is nasty. It is, it is nasty. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, the amount of quality that they have on this squad. If they don't go three wins, it'll be a disappointment. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think number two is like really hard. I mean, I'm thinking about the United States and the Wales. Um, I think Wales are going to come out second. Uh, I know everybody's going to want me to say the United States, uh, but I just don't see it, man. Um, this, this U.S. team is inexperienced. Christian Pulisic is the, you know, he's the he's the headline guy on this squad. Yikes. Um, <laughs> is anybody going to try to make a good argument that his campaign in the last two campaigns have been anything, you know, par for course even i don't think so like 
Um, Weston McKinney is, yes, he's like, he's a stable player, like, you know, regularly starring for Juventus and the like, but like, there's nowhere I can see and like, like, there's nowhere in this squad I can see like a guy you depend on. And in some sense, like, you know, US teams in the past, they've at least had guys like you depend on and like, you like have a good, like, you can be confident that they're going to put in a shift. You know, you could rely on, like, you know, their goalkeeper, like Howard in the past, like even like Clint Dempsey, you know, veterans experience in international football and they can put in quality performances and you could you can almost depend on that. But this U.S. team is like, I don't, I don't really see like guys that you can, you know, truly depend on. And on the other hand, I mean, go to Wales, Gareth Bales, this is his last campaign. Dude barely plays for in the MLS. Like he's like resting. He's like in the he's like in the hyperbaric time. Like he's, yeah, he's the hyperbolic really time chamber, just waiting for this moment. And let's not forget Gareth Bale. Like you know, with just a, a, a unbelievable performance for uh, LAFC. You know, winning uh, winning the MLS Cup for them uh, on a last minute goal and extra time. Like he still got it in big games, and he always has. And so. I think Wales is going to get the job done over the United States and come out second. Wow. Um, man, it's hard for me to say. Um, I think pure quality-wise, the U.S. teams probably has a slight edge over both Wales and Iran. Like, we shouldn't ignore Iran here either. Iran... The Iranian squad is actually like they're they're actually pretty decent. Um, it is, it is right. Yeah, like, it's, it's a fairly strong squad um, that shouldn't be ignored and and may you know steal a point um, or two from a couple of these teams. Uh, so I think it's going to be very very close. Um, but at the end of the day, I man. It's just hard for me to. It's gonna come down to like um, Bale's uh, Bale's health, right? And what's a little unlucky for the U.S. is that I think their their first game is against Wales. It looks like. Um, Huge game. It's like the decisive game to yeah, start it off. It might like, actually just be the decisive game, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I may I may have to I may have to agree with you that it's going to it's going to be Wales. Um like there's a bunch of there are a bunch of articles saying Bale is uh Bale is fully fit for um Fully fit and yeah. yeah, like he's he's just he's getting the comfortable amount of game time yeah. at, at MLS. Like Apparently, he's like getting the perfect amount to stay fit, but not to like go too hard. Apparently, Kellen Acosta, who's like a midfielder for the U.S. Um, plays for LAFC, said that um, they're gonna need to kick Bales in order to or kick Bale in order to beat Wales. <laughs> Which um, that's a pretty good strategy, actually. <laughs> yeah and, and i mean like like we still have to like mention like Wales still has a decent supporting cast you know yeah aaron Ramsey's nowhere near like peak aaron ramsey but aaron ramsey's still there ben davis is still there yeah. you know uh joe Roden's uh um you know 
also starring at the back. Kiefer Moore is having a good campaign with Bournemouth so far. And um, so he's also an option if they need like a pick-me-up scorer. So I, like this is not just Gareth Bale, but Gareth Bale is a big part of it, I think. And, you know, I, I, I it's just it's so hard to bet against him unless like, you know, you're playing against a team that's like got really good quality and the U.S. just doesn't fit the bill, especially with their inexperience. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Like the Wales squad is pretty good. Like they are basically like a 13... 14th Premier League squad basically <laughs> <laughs> like like literally like if you look at their team yeah <laughs> like if you just put that team in the Premier League they'd be like like right above relegation maybe like somewhere yeah. around there yeah. like they're like yeah. a Premier League caliber squad meanwhile the US is like 70% MLS which is where Premier League players go to retire so it's right. uh, <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little different. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay, so Group B, we have England and Wales. Uh, we both have England and Wales going up. Group C, Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and Saudi Arabia. This pretty tough. Well, I think we can easily eliminate Saudi Arabia, like you know, as number four, right? And then it goes. I, uh, I have Argentina going first. I think that's not, you know, a shocker. That's not a shocker. But Mexico versus Poland, right? So Poland is a better squad on paper. But we always say somebody's better than Mexico on paper, and Mexico somehow overperforms. Mexico always does well and punches above their weight in the World Cup. And they never have the greatest squad in the world. But, like, you know, these Mexican League players, like, you know, they just come and show up and, like, they, like, make a statement that like you know the Mexican league is nothing to be scoffed at and like you know they make they get out of the group stages they make a run like you know what i mean like uh, it's it's not a foregone conclusion i think that poland is going to make it out over mexico yeah and and i don't even think that poland is like that much of a slam dunk uh favorite in terms of player quality on paper um yeah, they have like they have Leva, right? I see. Right, I mean, healthy. who's like, who's arguably like like singly the best player in the entire group? Yes, right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have the Napoli guy, right? Um, Zielinski is he playing? Yeah, Zielinski, and um, you know they still have Milik. Um, who's playing at Juventus now? Chesney, um, very familiar um, name, goalkeeper. Yeah. So, you know, they have some familiar names yeah, familiar uh, coming names. out, and um, a, a lot of players coming in from the Italian league. Then, like, you look at the the Mexico squad, and they still have obviously, like, I'm assuming Jimenez is playing, um, plays for 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 Wolverhampton, um, Lozano for for Napoli, Alvarez for Ajax. Um, uh, Corona for Sevilla, like these are some also very good players. Uh, Guardado for for Real Betis. Um, yeah, very experienced. Yeah, yeah, player. Some some like very good player, and they have some they have some more players who um a lot of them playing in the in the Dutch league. Um, well, why why are there why are there so many of them playing in the Dutch league? That's so weird. Anyway, um, there there are actually like so many Mexican players playing in the Dutch league for some reason. Anyway. Um, so, like, I, I think, like, it's not even that much of a slam dunk towards Poland, uh, on paper. Um, 
I'm I'm leaning Mexico here. Uh, I, I think really? they okay. all, I think they always punch above their weight in these international competitions. Um, they play with a, a sort of energy that is, you know, greater than most other squads. And then, uh, to me, I, I think the Mexico squad is, has always been, and we'll see if this is true this year. Um, their greatest strength has been their speed. They've always been kind of the the faster team on the pitch, um, and and this has given them the edge when when they're able to win games. And if I look at the Polish squad, you know your best player being Leva and the other team being very very fast doesn't you know <laughs> doesn't suit you well. Um, right. And so I think it, it may be also a tough matchup for, for Poland. Um, like Leva's yeah. going to have to do a lot of work uh, in order to, to, to win the game, uh, the matchup against, uh, against Mexico, which is obviously going to be the critical one. Um, yeah. And um, I think, I think from a coaching perspective too, right. Uh, Mexico has got a Gerardo Martino at the helm. Who's, you know, former Barcelona manager, and Poland's got a coach that I've never heard of, but he's kind of just been the Polish league, um, you know. Um, and, and of course, like, you know, not to say Martino's like, you know, was amazing at Barcelona. I didn't win a single trophy, but, you know, he was a good enough coach that Barcelona wanted to, like, you know, take him on. Right. So, I mean, the coaching also on paper, Mexico looks pretty strong. Um, you know, it, it's a really tough one for me. I'm going to say Poland goes through. Um because I just think their their quality at the forward position is just strong. And for me, Mexico also has like decent talent up front. I'm just not super sold on their defensive um, their defense quality. and I'm, and I think in the pivotal game versus Poland versus um, Mexico, I think Poland and Lewandowski will be able to exploit that. So I got Poland coming out. So uh, Group C, Sanha's got Argentina and Mexico coming out, and I have Argentina and Poland coming out. Uh, really tough one, though. Tough one. Um, group D, Australia, Denmark, France, and Tunisia. Um, a, a little bit easier one, I think. Um, is France not coming out number one for you? Because I know like there's a lot of concerns about like France, you know, locker room problems. Um, I do think like you know, the midfield is not as good as it has been in in past uh, World Cups, based on form, Papa, you know, Conte, not very encouraging this year. And so, it, it, is it going to stop them from getting a first seed? You think? Um, I, I definitely think it's possible. Um, because the Denmark team is not bad. Like, it's good. It's very not, yeah. Good. They don't have like a like a, a superstar per se, right? Everyone is just very, like, like, if you were to, like, rate them on, like, FIFA, for instance, right? Everyone is, like, a 82. Like, but, that, like, their entire squad is just, like, an 82. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they have, like, a, a 90 somewhere and then, like, you have, like, some 75s and, like, some 76. No, they're just, like, all 82, you know? Like, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's a, uh, it's a pretty goddamn uh, a solid squad. But... I mean, the quality on it's this French. French squad, man. Like, even without, like, let's say Pogba and Conte weren't on the team. 
even without them, the squad is fucking nuts. Like yeah, like it's so good. Like yeah, like just play Rabio, play Vera too. Yes, like, you know, like I still those are those are still world class players. And like the Rabio might be better than every single player. I think. Right. On Denmark. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I would put Christian Eriksen. I would put Hoiberg as well over him. Okay, Hoiberg. Okay, I'll I'll give you Hoiberg. I'll give you Hoiberg. But Hoiberg other than Eriksen and Christian Eriksen, I know like he hasn't been great for Manchester United, but like I'm not gonna give him too much of a hard time for that because everybody goes to Manchester United and it's worse. Okay, you know? so you're telling like, me that, but but you're still telling me that Rabio, who's on the bench, would be. Maybe the second best player on the Denver squad. I mean, he'd be up there, right? Um, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm personally not super high on Rabio. I know a lot of people are, but yeah. I think Rabio's good. Um, uh, but yeah, like even if he was like trotting out there and he's like the weakest link on that starting eleven, that star studded, like, is just fucking disgusting. He'll put in a six out of ten shift, and like he'll still be able to like help. This like, team is still win, absolutely you know? disgusting. Like yeah. I, I think the worst player on this team might be like the the second best player on Team USA or something. Like that. That's how good this fucking team is. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, dude. And the thing with like France is like they've also like added new talent. Yes, yes. Um, it, this is not just a team that's like be like Belgium, like relying on like guys like the Griezmann generation. Yeah, like they have Saliba. It's a great they have mix. Kalavinga. Like yeah, like it's a this is a this is a team that's like still like pumping out like decent exactly. talent. The like, the the most apparent right like example or showing of this is they have Benzema and then they have Mbappe. Right, it's like yeah, they just have a Ballon d'Or winner casually plus Mbappe. Yes, on team, like right? and, and the Ballon d'Or winner is like thirty five or something. How old is this guy? Thirty four. Thirty four. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. like it, the team. It's is, just too good. It's too good, and yeah. and they have both old players and young players and middle players, and it's just too good. Um, it's like Brooklyn Nets, except they have like. Even more stars. Maybe like, it's, like, it's like impossible to be bad. Maybe they are actually the New England, where they perform worse than the sum of their parts. But the thing is, is like you, you don't notice it because they're so good that yeah. even when they perform under the sum of their parts, they're still winning. Exactly trophies. the results. Exactly yeah. the results are there. But I mean, exactly. this World Cup may be different. Maybe this World Cup is a little different um, because, like you said, oh no, I don't have France winning the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Neither do I. Neither do I. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. So, uh, um, but, but anyway. I have I have France and Denmark coming out um, first and second. This this Denmark squad is solid, man. No, it's very uh, very good. It is. I'm, I'm yeah. high on a lot of these guys. Casper uh, Schmeichel's old, but you know I think he can still be fine. Um, Anderson uh, for Crystal Palace is he's a decent defender. You know Christensen. They have in the midfield, of course, they have Christian Eriksen and, you know, Hoiberg is going to be the heart of that team. And then up, up front, they still have, um, they, they have talent up front. I mean, no, like, like kind of lethal killer, but Yusuf Poulsen could, you know, um, play a little bit. Martin Braithwright, like he, he can also, you know, you know, chip in. 
So I think like the Denmark team is like extremely solid, I think. Um, and they'll, they'll have to kind of find tactical ways to like score and to like, you know, game plan and game manage to win. But I think like their game management, you know, with Ericsson and, you know, Hoiberg in the midfield, like, you know, I, I feel very safe yeah. like, you know, having them. Yeah, between the Sins, the Guards, and the Ergs, I think they got it covered. <laughs> they, they got a squad. Um, and, I mean, is there anything worth mentioning about the Austrian squad? I don't know no. many of these guys, honestly. No. no. Um, I assume not. <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> yeah. They, they used to have uh, the Cahill, right? Yep, um, yep. That used to be Australia. that used to be the Australian guy. That used to be the guy. Right, that used to be the guy that scores bangers, but yes. um, <laughs> they don't even have him. So yeah. no, um, sorry. I think I think it, it's pretty doomed. Um, the Aussies might even finish last, to be honest. They could. Uh, uh, their form's bad. They they have some injuries. Um, they could they could be garbage. Yeah. But uh, we both have uh, France and Denmark coming first and second in Group D. Group E, uh, Costa Rica, Germany, Japan, and Spain. I think another easy one when it comes to like deciding who's one and two is just a matter of who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Germany and Spain coming out one and two. Um, sorry, um, Germany and Spain coming out one and two in no particular order. I'm kind of thinking about this one still. Um, Spain is like a really young squad, right? Um, I think it's one of the youngest squads uh, competing in the World Cup this year. As you'd expect, because you think when you think about Spain, like this current generation of Spaniards, like who are you thinking about? You're you're thinking about, you know, uh, uh, you're thinking about Gavi. You're you're thinking about, um, you know, Pedri. You know, guys like very young Ansu Fati, right? Uh, really young, new talents, and you know, within inside that, like yeah, you have some experienced pieces like uh, Jordi Alba, Rodri. So, like, there are, I think that's a team that's going to star a lot of, like, um, they're going to trot out a lot of young guys. Uh, And, you know, it's, I think the World Cup, like, experienced talent is, like, it becomes more important and apparent. And, you know, I, I think Germany's got more of that. And although I still have, you know, complaints about Germany's, you know, uh, their their forward line, particularly, I don't see a just a lethal score like you know they had close in in previous uh, iterations, and you know they had guys like him, but in this iteration they're very good in every position except maybe the forward position. I mean Serge Gnabry, I really okay. like. Him. Yeah, and Kai Havertz, but no no one's like a through and through striker. I think that'll really set them apart spain kind of has the same problem uh because their high scorer internationally um based on their caps is alvaro morata yeah you don't like who is not at all (laughs) yeah who is not at all um encouraging (laughs) and so they kind of have the same problems but germany's got the experience edge i think at the end of the day i'm just going to put Germany up front. Although I, I wouldn't be surprised if Spain surprised everyone because the, the talent is there. Right? I'm also going to go with Germany. Um, the Spain squad, it feels to me when I look at it that it's, it's weird. They like, if you think back to like, I think like the last generation would have been like the, 
the Zavi generation, right? Like the right Zavi, uh, Iniesta. Exactly the Iniesta uh, generation, like Puyol. Mm-hmm, exactly. It, it would have been that kind of generation yeah. where you had a bunch, like you had a number of stars there, right? Um, kind of propped up by the veteran leadership of Iniesta, Zavi, uh, and um. And then they had some promising young players even back then. Like, because back then, the young players were the up and coming players, right? Were like, were Koke. It was like Isco. Um, even like, yeah, Busquets, Murata, um, Carvajal, uh, Jordi Alba. Uh, I think maybe Gaia may have even been like a very young player on one of those teams. The problem is that, like, None of these players, other than Busquets, who is, like, now 36, so he's kind of, like, past his prime, um, really became, like, a, um, a true star in their own right. Like, Koke didn't really. Isco didn't really. Um, Alba is, again, past his prime. Uh, Gaia didn't really. Like, he just – he ended up being kind of middling. Uh, Carvajal has had his up and downs. Um, and then you look at the rest of the squad, and it's like, where where – where's like that star power that that we're used to seeing from spain right um i think like you know the for, you're right like i think it, it, the way for them to get first place is for one of these stars to really establish themselves and have this like you know um uh, this breakthrough this coming out kind of campaign uh for you know somebody like uh ansu fati or somebody like even like a danny olmo who we've seen like a glimpse of in the euros uh, put up good performances on Sufati. Like, you know, any of these guys can kind of show up and like make their like presence be felt. But yep. yeah. And then we need, I mean, you right? compare that to Germany wherein like they kind of had a similar thing, right? Where they had the past generation of stars and then they had some youngsters. The youngsters back then were like, were Mario Gutza, who is somehow still on the squad. God knows how, um, like Sane, yeah. yeah, Brandt, Goretzka, uh, like these were the, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like some of these guys became bigger stars than, than their Spain, their Spanish counterparts, like Sane, <laughs> Nabry, yeah. Havertz. Um, so like, I, I think they have a little bit more of a developed younger core than, than Spain, or at least uh, a younger core that, that reached higher ceiling so far um than than the spanish squad which is kind of the difference between the two in in my eyes um and i i think that that's gonna help the the german squad come out first in the group here but like you're saying you, you know you never know they're they're both very high quality squads so um wouldn't be surprised by either of them coming out first and and having kind of long runs um in this world cup campaign all right uh group f Belgium, Canada, Croatia, and Morocco. What are your thoughts? I mean, my first thought is Belgium. Um, okay. It's pretty easy. Um, and then my second thought is, what the fuck? Um... <laughs> Croatia? Croatia? Yeah, I mean... it has to be Croatia. Um, yeah. It has to be Croatia, but for some reason, I don't feel like, I don't know, Modric is old, right? Um, Modric is old? Perisic is Perisic old? Perisic is old. 
Kovacic is becoming old. And, and then who is there? Um, Brozovic is a good player for them. Yeah. Uh, Petkovic, Vardiol, who is like, you know, who was like the oh, hot Vardiol. talent yeah. um, that everybody wanted this, uh, this past uh, window. You know, they have players, I think. I guess. Um... And, and the thing with Modric is Modric is old, but he hasn't fallen off at all. Yeah, and yeah. so like, like the form tells me that Modric is Modric still, and so I think still highly of this Croatian squad. You know, maybe Modric is still Modric. The lucky thing for them is that this Canadian squad, despite it being better than maybe any other Canadian squad that we've ever seen, um, it still it doesn't measure up really um, close to the the Croatian squad's quality, unfortunately. Um, but that is to say that like the the Canadian squad is 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 a pretty pretty decent squad, man. Like you gotta say, like so you got a uh, Belgium one and Croatia two. Yeah, I, I think that's it's pretty easy. Yeah, so I think I think Croatia will finish above Canada. Yeah, but Belgium will not. I think Croatia what? is going to win this group, and Canada is coming second. This is some high end. And Belgium is going to be the Germany of last World Cup. This and they are going to bust out. This is a, a and here's why. Okay, go on. I don't believe at all in the Belgium defense. I believe in the Belgian goalkeeper. I do not believe at all in their defense. They're relying on an aged Toby Alderweireld. They're relying on an aged Jan Vertonghen. This is not a defense line that you're going to trot out against a Canadian team that's got youngsters that have speed. Jonathan David is lethal. Are you just salty this that they were ex-Tottenham players? This was this was gonna happen, man. No, I love them. I love Alderweireld. I love Vertonghen. And you know, I and, and and they put in a very good. They were very serviceable, like you know, you know, stalwarts of my club for a very long time. Mm -hmm. But nobody beats Father Time, and this Belgium squad has is one of the most static squads that we've seen over the last ten years. Yeah, and. What, this is what's going to happen. Canada's slated to play Belgium in their first game. Canada's going to come out and put a shocker. Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, they're going to put in a performance that puts off the upset of the first round. Upset of the first uh, round of games that is in the group stages. And I think Canada is going to come out second in this group. I mean... I don't... The, Belgium... And, and, and look at the Belgium squad. Okay. I am looking at the Belgian squad. They're okay, so they have some like you know newcomers who have like you know come onto the scene, and you know we didn't see them before. Like you know that's not to say right. Like they still have like Trossard, for example, who's he's been good for Brighton, and he's a he's kind of a new talent that they could inject into the squad for, for some more energy. But Hazard, I don't think so, man. And like, <laughs> which a lot Hazard? of these guys, which Hazard. Are, both of them, <laughs> especially Edit. <laughs> okay, and and yes, they still have De Bruyne, but I think I think they're gonna be they're gonna have their defense is a problem. I think they're gonna concede goals, and Canada is gonna score more goals than they concede to Belgium in their first game and pull off an upset. I think. I think I can concede the fact that they're gonna concede goals, despite the fact that they have Courtois. Um, I think I can concede that. But are you going to outscore 
Lukaku, Batshuayi, Dries Mertens, backed up by Kevin De Bruyne. I don't believe in Lukaku. Lukaku, you asked me two, three years ago? Cool. Lukaku, uh, now, I don't know. Lukaku has never had, outside of the World Cup, De Bruyne feeding him the ball. This is true, but... It's a perfect it's a perfect matchup, really. But Lukaku has had De Bruyne feeding him the ball in international competition. Yes, and yes. what has the Belgian squad done at all in these past years? A third-place finish in the World Cup. It's pretty They're disgraced for, for the squad that they put up. They should have won. They yeah, should have won. They probably should have won. They should have won the Euros. They should have won the World Cup. At least something by now. They didn't win anything. And I think, you know, this is going to be the fall of... Um, the uh, wow. the Belgian golden generation. Wow. This is some next level Canada copium, but okay, all right. Well, I mean, uh, I'll I'll I'll, so, I'll see you back on the pod when uh, Canada is uh, over two. Uh. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm gonna so uh, so group group F. I have Croatia coming up first. Wow. Canada coming up second. Wow. Sano's got Belgium coming up first, and Croatia coming out second. Uh, group G, Brazil, Cameroon, Serbia, and Switzerland. Uh, Brazil, easy first for me. I mean, I think Brazil's going to win the whole thing. Um, team. Yeah, I think they're going to win the whole thing. Uh, they're just... that. Just look at their forward line. Like, it's so, so good. Their forward line is easily the best, like, out of anyone in the World Cup. Yeah, by far. Uh, Neymar, and then... Just anchoring him for Charleston. And then my boy. Rafinha. Anthony. My I'm gonna boy. give him I'm, gonna, I'm giving I'm giving Anthony props, man. Yeah, you are Anthony in that conversation. That's Vinicius Jr. Vinicius, oh, Vinicius Jr. needs to be needs to be like the second player on oh, that list. Oh my god. Right after Neymar. And you got Martinelli. Like, oh god. Like so many good players. You didn't players. even like, name Jesus yet. Like who do you play? Like, like oh. Maybe they can play like four forwards or something. They can if they want to. Like they got so many good. You know, Firmino isn't even on this list. Like, yeah, I know. God, that's how good this fucking fucking team is, disgusting. Man. Absolutely disgusting. This team. Yeah, uh, no, this is so disgusting. The only even bad. The midfield, right? Yeah, well, the only bad thing about this team that I have to say is that Fred is on this team because fuck that guy. But um yeah honestly um yeah the midfield I guess like they didn't have the deepest but they have enough players to feel like a very good starting eleven still Guimaraes uh, Fabinho and Casemiro, Casemiro that's that, enough that's fine to that's start enough. and that's it'll enough. be excellent yeah and then but I guess like the only and and the goalkeepers best goalkeeper roster in the entire World Cup disgusting Allison Ederson you, and you can just you can just stop call the conversation. it yeah just call it there yeah. The only thing that, you know, if you have to pick is their defense, but even their defense, I mean, um, Thiago Silva, until the, until the status quo changes, I still need to respect him. Yeah. Uh, Marquinhos, they still have. Eder yeah. Militao. This is... It's so it's, good. It's the weakest part, but still, like, a very serviceable... Wait, how is Danny Alves on this team? What the fuck? Very old. Very old. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they uh, is he gonna start for them. I don't know. I highly doubt he's gonna start for them. Where would he start? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think he'd start because Telus and Sandro are, are standing on the sides, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. But this this is a really really good squad. Um, a very good squad. I think they're gonna win the whole thing. Um, 
they're easily going to win all three of their games. The 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 team to come out second is like really where things get interesting. I think it's between Serbia and Switzerland. Yes. Um, and I'm gonna pick Serbia. Um, Vlahovic and the probably the most underrated striker in the world, Alexander Mitrovic. Um, he is Mitrovic. Mitrovic is a machine, man, and and. That's not all their talent. They still have Tadic, um, who is still very serviceable still and player. Yeah, and I, I, I think this is a, yeah, this is a team that's got like like the the I think what pulls them over um, Serbia for me is oh, sorry, uh, what pulls them over Switzerland for me is just their their front line. It just they just have a little bit more talent up front to score goals uh with Mitrovic and Vlahovic. Uh, this is I think it's gonna cause problems. Uh, Switzerland, we know Jan Sommer at the tournament of his life in the Euros. Uh but I mean good luck trying to stop both Vlahovic and uh, Mitrovic from doing work. Really all the bitches. Yes, all the bitches. <laughs> All the bitches on, uh, <laughs> uh, on the surface. <laughs> They're a team of bitches. Um, uh, I, I think I, I tend to agree. Um, uh, if you look at the the, the Swiss squad, um, they're there's kind of similar to me in my head of like the Denmark squad, except there's kind of like a, a budget Denmark. Um, and an older Denmark. Yeah, which is... Um, like, like, their players are like... It's, it's uh, okay, Xhaka's like... Yeah. It's like the I'm opposite. It's yeah. the opposite of like what the countries are like in like real life. It's like yeah. if you flip that, if you flip the status of the countries in real life, those are the World Cup teams. It's like... In real life, Denmark is kind of like a budget Switzerland. But in the World Cup, Switzerland is a budget Denmark. <laughs> I think Switzerland being a budget Denmark is a good comparison because yeah, like we have to give credit where it's due. Like Switzerland does like come out to international competitions and punch above their weight, kind of like yeah, Denmark, yeah, right? Yeah. But their talent is worse. Yeah, it's like it, they, yeah, yeah, they punch it, a, they punch above their weight a little bit less. Yeah, exactly. It's like and and the thing is like it, it, even their quality is like if I said Denmark is like all eighty twos on FIFA. Like Switzerland's like all like seventy nines or something. They're all like seventy. Yeah, like, seventy <laughs> nines like, is all good. Yeah, it's but, all I mean, good and all, but <laughs> you got like an eighty eight and an eighty seven striker on the other other squad. Yeah, like, it's a little bit hard. Yeah, it's right? it's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so we both have Brazil and uh, Serbia coming out of Group G, yep. Group H, and the final group. Uh, oh boy. Well, Ghana, Portugal, South Korea, and Uruguay. They have to face reality, my friend. Um, I don't want to face reality. I think I think South Korea is finishing last in this group, man. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I think they are. Jesus Christ! Because, because here's like the, I would have given them a chance if Son was playing like mm-hmm. in his Ballon. I'm um, sorry, his uh, his golden. His golden boot form mm-hmm. um, last year, but he's not. 
And that's kind of a problem because Quang Hee Chan is also playing like shit. Yeah. Garbage. <laughs> so, He's absolute garbage. Like, like Sun either needs to like turn superhuman and then they'll finish third or they're going to finish fourth. Um, Kim Min Jae is good on defense, but everybody else is bad. The goalkeeper, Choi Hyun Woo, was the standout, you know, goalkeeping performance of the World Cup last year. He's still there, but he's just older now. Okay. And I mean, let's just say it this way. If he was actually as good as he was in the World Cup, I feel like he still wouldn't be playing in Korea. You know, um, and I think for some time, like, you know, four years ago, after he put up that performance, like people were thinking he was actually going to move to Europe after uh, it was and, and you know things like that can happen you know in the world cup like if you put in a stand-up performance like that you're gonna get attraction uh you're gonna get you know some traction from europe clubs who are interested uh but he hasn't moved um he's still like he's he's kind of those goalkeepers that like really get a shot stopping kind of like a mold of like a De Gea, like really get a shot stopping but like horrible at distributing and so <laughs> You know, he's flawed in, in his own <laughs> ways, right? And so, you know, there's honestly, like, I'm trying to find a glimmer of hope. But outside of, like, Son, like, magically finding that, like, form that he found last year, this team is not going to do better than fourth. And what do you think, man? I think they could come third. I'm not that high on Ghana. Um, their form <laughs> has been pretty bad. Uh, they... Uh, they played what? What is that cup? The, the cup of nations or some, something along those lines. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the Afcon. Yeah, they. I'm pretty sure they just bombed out of their group. Um, uh, so uh, they they've been looking a, a little rough uh, as of late. The squad, like the quality, is just better though, man. They have Tarek Lamptey, they have Sale Su, they have it Thomas Partey. It is uh, better. Daniel Amarte from uh, Leicester City and, and the IU brothers. Like, yeah, it's and, it, better, and it's also man. a tough matchup for the Korean squad as well. Um, yeah. But I, I could still see a world in, in which uh, we come out in third. But you're right. It's going to be a tough path even to third um, and almost an impossibility to get out of the group, unfortunately, for for the Koreans. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, it, it's, it fucking sucks, man, but it's rough. You know, it's, it is, but, it but, is. um, we have to, uh, stay on track with the task, which is to guess who is going to come out of this group. Um, I think we both then agree that Portugal and Uruguay are coming out of it, but what's the order? Um, I think it's pretty easy. Portugal's a better squad. Uh, Portugal is actually, I think, one of the dark horses to win the whole thing. And it's not because of Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, it's really not. They have very good talent up and down. Uh, they have they have the likes of, you know, Bruno Fernandes, who's still a good player, I think. Uh, Ruben Diaz, you know, anchoring that line. Dalo. This is, a, this is a good team up and down. And, you know, they still have, you know, Joel Felix. I think he's, he's still one of, like, you know, the intriguing players who hasn't broken out. Um, at Atletico, but he's always had that kind of talent. Um, and, you know, Ruben Neves playing for Wolves, they're easily their best player, Joao Cancelo. And so this is a team that has a lot of talent outside of Cristiano Ronaldo. 
And this is not like, you know, the old Portugal where Cristiano Ronaldo was like, it was the, it was, it was FC Cristiano Ronaldo, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think this team just based on talent up and down is a little better than Uruguay for me. Uh, Uruguay is a good team. They still have, you know, you know, they have Federico Valverde. They have Bentancur who is playing in the, the form of his life right now. Yeah. And so, and Edison Cavani, who's uh, going to have kind of his, uh, this is going to be his swan song. So, but I think they also have an MLS player. So, like, yeah, like um, I think, I think there are some players that are just um, a little bit on the older side. You know, Luis Suarez um, on the older side now as well. And so, it's a team that has a lot of aged talent. Um, it's like a cocktail of like age talent that they're relying on i think godin i think godin might still start for them i don't know yeah but... it's especially on the back side here uh yeah they like have they have um, it's a mixture of like old talent and then like just like some of this young talent that's like kind of barely keeping it together for them yeah I, I i'm a little concerned for uruguay in like the next world cup what are they really going to bring to the table without these mainstays because the future generation doesn't look amazing i mean if you're if Bentancourt is one of the like your better players, I mean, I love Bentancourt, but for yeah. Uruguay standard, Bentancourt is not really going to cut it. Uh, but you know, um, but as for this World Cup, I think easily Portugal over Uruguay for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think the Portugal squad is is very very strong. Um, with like like you said, um, uh, up up and down, they they have a lot of talent um, and and really elite like world class talent too. And while Uruguay, it just really just doesn't match up. Their stars are are past their prime. Um, and yeah, I, I think they are. I th- obviously I think they're obviously um, a notch above Korea and and Ghana, but. I think they're a clear notch below the Portugal team. Yeah. And last thing I'll mention is Group H, the Uruguay-Ghana rematch. If you remember that Luis Suarez handball, I mean, I uh, that's going to be an interesting game. I mean, I wonder if Ghana's like, you know, feeling some salt from that game. And uh, I don't know, maybe they might like, you know, uh, you know, come up with a vengeance and like get it done over Uruguay and sneak in. I can see it happening, you know? Yeah. You know, those things, you know, uh, uh, countries, players, they don't forget about those things. And so uh, there's definitely some blood between those two. <laughs> all righty. Uh, but uh, I think that's going to be that's going to be it for the group stages. We've gone through them all. Um, and um, and yeah, and we'll, and we'll see. We'll see how they pan out. Um, and and we'll be back uh, next week to I mean, we're, we're not going to really have huge updates. So I don't imagine like, you know. Our predictions are really going to crystallize to anything at all, but um, it'll be something that we'll talk uh, for the entirety of the tournament and uh, looking forward to it. Um, I think that's going to be it for uh, this episode. I think we've gone on for a decent amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for listening uh, to the podcast and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye guys.